Dear Father in heaven, we rejoice in thy presence to be here now with loved ones, but most importantly, to be with the one who loved us from all eternity past, the one who had a plan, who gave himself before the foundation of the world. Oh, to be in the presence of such love. Dear Father, we truly are surrounded by thy love, and if we'd open our eyes, we could see that. Dear Father, we pray that that would happen this morning hour, that thy word would allow us to have spiritual eyes to to see thee, to see who thou art, thy character, thy calling for us. Dear Father, and that this word, this morning hour would also reveal to us where we need to change, where thy spirit needs to work. That the, that the result would not be a, a list of things that we need to do, dear Father, but a, a humbling of ourselves before thee, a calling out to thee to come and change us, to be molded, Oh, divine love. We're so thankful we have this physical word that we can read, but we have the Holy Spirit in our hearts to to make it real and alive to us. And we have Jesus Christ who walked as a man below here 2,000 years ago and now is with us and gathered together and in our midst, examining our hearts. Dear Father, it's in his name we pray in confidence of what he can do and how he can be glorified that that uh, we we pray these things in Jesus name. Amen. I'd like to turn uh, for this morning's meditation to a familiar chapter, one we usually read at uh, at weddings, but uh, I think it's applicable at all times and that is 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. First Corinthians chapter 13. Actually, just let's start with the verse preceding that chapter. The introduction to it says, But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. 
For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's kneel for prayer. Heavenly Father, what a blessing it is to come into thy presence this morning to read words that are indeed timeless, that will never pass away. We see how thy word points to that day when we shall know even as we are known. And Heavenly Father, while we're still here below, we want to know thee better. We want to know thee more. We want to experience thee in a more full measure that heaven would already come to us here. Heavenly Father, be with our brother this morning as he would expound thy word to us. Help us to understand the things that we hear. But more importantly, Heavenly Father, help us to do the things that we know. Dear Lord, we want to take this opportunity now corporately to lift up in prayer unto thee those that are going through difficulties. We know that there are many that have conditions that are chronic or, or uh, very serious, varieties of illnesses and pain, cancer, difficulty. This world still dwells under a curse, Heavenly Father, and we know that one day we must all pass away. But Heavenly Father, we want to lift up in prayer unto thee now those that are suffering, those that are going through these difficulties, and we want to ask for thy healing hand to be upon them in a special way, that if it would be thy will, if it would bring glory to thy great and holy name, that thou wouldst provide healing and relief from pain. But Heavenly Father, if not, if thy plan is greater than these things, if thy plan for our loved ones includes suffering, then Heavenly Father, grant them both the disposition and the strength to bear it, that the world may know that there is a higher power here operating already, and that even pain and difficulty can be borne if the God of the universe is on our side. Heavenly Father, be with those that are going through perhaps a financial difficulty, those that are suffering emotionally. We know that this world is far from perfect. So, Heavenly Father, use us. Help us to be thy hands and feet here below that we would be able to minister also to those that are lacking something that we can supply and in so doing that we can bless and glorify thy name. Be with us now, Heavenly Father, as we anticipate a blessing from thy word. Be with the brother who will speak that the things spoken would be to our benefit and to our good, and that thy name would be glorified in all of this. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
as the brother prayed about helping us to do the things that we already know. My mind was drawn to a quote. I'd like to, to read that that I read recently. Because this is a very familiar passage that each one of us knows. People cannot become perfect by dint of hearing or reading about perfection. The chief thing is not to listen to yourself, but silently to listen to God. Talk little and do much without caring to be seen. God will teach you more than all the most experienced persons or the most spiritual books can do. You already know a great deal more than you practice. You do not need the acquirement of fresh knowledge half so much as to put in practice that which you already possess. This chapter we've read this morning here, we know it, we're familiar with it, and we need to be reminded of it again. What the the true definition of God's love is. You know, we've been, we were talking yesterday about um, preparing for persecution, which is a heavy topic, maybe, you'd think. And there was a lot of different talk about preparing ourselves and, and um, what types of persecution we may face and preparing the church. And at the, uh, after that discussion, as I was thinking to myself and thinking of the different things that were shared, I was thinking perhaps the chief and most important preparation of all is to love, is to learn to love, is to love more completely, more fully. You know, one who loves can endure a lot for the purpose of the one they love. The one who who loves and is consumed with that love, they can go through a lot. And I think that's the nature of, of, of God preparing us for difficult tasks, is refining our love and strengthening our love little bit by little bit. God is, a, is a, a God of love, as we read in the Bible, as we understand from his word. And he knows how to deal with us in a way that helps us to grow more completely into his image. And I'm sure there are uh, things right in front of you and right in front of me that he is asking us to grow in love in. This description that we've read here, um, There's so much in there that I'm not doing, that that I'm not yet conformed to God's image. So that was part of my thought in turning to this passage and and reading about love this morning, about preparation, and also because uh, we are approaching the Easter season now, and uh, it's actually next Sunday, I believe, is, is Easter Sunday. And it's a time of year, particularly when people all over the world and Certainly, we don't intend to confine these reflections to just one time of the year, but it's a time of year when people particularly remember because it's close to the time when it actually happened. Jesus died on the cross and and was resurrected, rose again. And my friend outside of Christ, my heart goes out to you this morning because though you understand something of love, the natural relationships around you, the, the family relationships you have, maybe the intimate relationship you have with your significant other, your parents. You understand something of love. You do not 
If you do not know Christ, you do not understand the love that encompasses all, the, the source of that love, of all those natural loves that, that, um, that you and I experience in, in this life. The Greek, as I'm sure some of you know, the Greek actually has different words for love. Um, there's a number of different words. There's words for love between man and a wife and, and love between family and a love of friends. But the love that's talked about here is agape love, a, a sacrificial love, a love that, that loves with asking for nothing in return and will keep on loving. And that's the, the translators have chosen to translate that word charity here in this context, maybe to highlight that it's the, the love between brothers and sisters in, in Christ, the Christian love. But we could read this passage and we could read it as love too because that ultimate love, the love of God in Christ Jesus is the love that really unlocks you and frees you to love in the way that he has designed you in every relationship, in the, in, with a husband and a wife, with, a, with, with children and parents, with friends. That love that is shown in Christ, it frees me to love the way it's described here. And you read this and you think, you know, it, it's, it's kind of sad that, that, that so often this scripture passage is confined to weddings. You read it and we get maybe a nice sentimental feeling and think about that happy couple that it's going to be riding into the, the sunset. But this is an everyday in and out thing that, that, that God is calling to me in, in everything. He's, he's poured out so much love in Christ Jesus and now he's asking me to to be free to love other people the same way. The context of this passage in, uh, in 1 Corinthians here is, is a, as we read that, that last verse of the preceding chapter there, Paul is writing to a church who is enamored with, with gifts and with knowledge. That's just, they think that that's, that's really where it's at. That's the display of how spiritual you are and how, much you, how close you are to God by, by what gifts you display and, and, and what um, the knowledge you have of the scripture. And Paul has to take a moment in a passage, you know, chapter 12 and chapter 14, it's talking about gifts. Take time out from that and just say, no, 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 all those things, though they're so great and, and, and uh, you think they're so wonderful, without love, Without love as the motive, without love as the, as the, the driving force, as the reason, as the purpose for all these things, they're nothing. They're worse than nothing. That's what he talks about here in these first three verses. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. You can be so eloquent or you could display all sorts of gifts. And in that time, in, in those early days of the spreading of the gospel, it was a manifestation of, of the speaking in tongues that that people were actually able to share the gospel in a different language um, seems spontaneously. If you read the, in the accounts and Acts, it was spontaneously. And um, even that, if I, if I show those amazing, extraordinary gifts that are not, that, that the person is not expecting, or of angels, and, and I'm not sure exactly uh, whether this is poetic speech or if he's speaking about something particular, that's almost beside the point in this. It is beside the point. He says, though I could do all those things, whatever it is, that list of gifts that you, you may have and you may um, think are important, if it is not done from charity, 
it's it's like a, a like a, just a sounding brass, a, a tinkling cymbal, something that that has no meaning, no purpose, just a little sound. Though I have the gift of prophecy, so I have a deep understanding. I understand God's will and His purpose throughout the sweep of history. I can explain that to you. I can explain the deep and dark prophecies in Revelation and and in Daniel and wherever else. And I can expound that all to you in a complete and a satisfying way. If I don't do that from love. If I'm, if I'm not motivated by God's love, the, the love that is sacrificial, the love that desires your best, it's nothing. It's, it's worse than nothing. It actually will lead astray. Though I have all faith. Now, here's a harder one to understand. I have all faith so that I could remove mountains. You think now, here's someone who's trusting God and he's displaying great power and trust and dependence on God. And if he were to somehow do that without love, without being motivated by God's love and his desire to, to ah, my words, the words fail me. It's, it's, it's nothing. I mean, we, some of these things we can understand, you know, with knowledge, without love, it's going to puff up. It's going to, to make me, it's going to vaunt me higher. I'm going to be puffed up. The, the, the gifts here in the Corinthian church, they was, that was a cause of things too. This one, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned. Whoa, this is someone who's come to the extreme here. This is someone who seems maybe, you know, for the faith, for, for uh, their, their stand, they've gone all the way to do this. And is it possible that I could do that or get to that state and, and not have love? I think if we are taking the measure of our spirituality, of our closeness to God, as the level of sacrifice that we are giving, yeah, then we can get to a place where that's not, that's not what God wants. The true measure, that are the, the measure of our closeness to God, of our spirituality, of how, how much we are walking in his ways, is not necessarily the amount of sacrifice, it's the amount of love. And love will then determine what the sacrifice that's needed. It will show us. God's love will show us where we need to lay down and how we need to lay down. But if we're chasing the end, if we're, if we're, if we're putting a, a yardstick and saying, once I've reached this level of, of, of giving up this and giving up that, lived in the desert for 40 years, uh, I've, I've eaten nothing but bread and water, and am not doing that, motivated by God's love, it's nothing to me and it's nothing to God. It profits me nothing. And then I think after you've read these verses here, these first three verses and, and these statements of him, then, then you and I have to start wondering, well, what is this love? What is this love that, that God desires, that God has given, that God is? And uh, the writer, Paul, graciously then describes some, some of the characteristics of this love. And this is the point where we need to insert ourselves you know i've heard it said that you could take this chapter and you could you could do two tests you could put the name of jesus in every place where you see charity or, or love and it reads properly now if i take my name and put it here every every place where i see love or charity does this chapter make sense eric suffereth long and is kind eric envieth not eric doesn't vaunt himself up he doesn't get puffed up he doesn't 
He's not selfish. He's not looking after his own things. That is the nature of who God wants me to be, who he has freed me to be in Christ Jesus. He's done everything. He's given me all things that pertain unto life and godliness. I have to believe that, and I do believe that. I do see it. I have experienced it. But moments like every, every moment in life where we're, we're pushed to a point of more love, we have to fall back on that. God has given me everything through Christ Jesus to bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, endure all things. And I think that's what we need to remember as we are, are contemplating the Lord's death, his resurrection. God has freed us in Christ Jesus to become this chapter. Charity suffereth long and is kind. God certainly suffered long with us, didn't he? Each one of us individually, you think of our lives, some of us that came later in life, some of us that came earlier, it doesn't matter in God's economy, in his scale, he suffered long with each one of us. He suffered long with mankind as a whole, the whole human history of generation after generation turning from him of their own devices, their own thing, things, he suffered long. Can you see that, my friend, outside of Christ? Can you see how long he suffered with you? the nature of that love for you. That's transforming. That should change you. That should turn you from the inside out when you see just what God has done, how long he's withheld his judgment, his, his righteousness, his holiness, his perfection, uh, demands justice, and he's withheld that on your account. You personally, he's not allowed judgment to pass because he's waiting, he's longing for you to turn It's amazing to me, God's um, sovereignty, his, knowledge, his foreknowledge, he knows completely the end of each one of us. He knows how we will respond to the gospel, but he is nonetheless waiting for each one of us, long-suffering for each one of us to turn, whether we will turn or whether we will not. That speaks of God's love again. We're going to understand that perfectly as we, as, one day as we get to the end of this chapter, but... That is to me astounding that, that God, knowing full well that some will turn, have turned and spit in his face and will continue to do so till their dying breath, that God has nonetheless, is still suffering long, is still waiting. He hasn't cut them off yet. He's still waiting. Charity suffereth long and is kind. And here's a simple test of love one that each one of us understands. We understand kindness. We understand what it's done to us when someone goes out of their way to be kind. And that's a simple test of love too. Just that simple kindness, the reaching out to others, not indifference, not coldness, not rudeness, as we read here, um, vaunting yourself up or being unseemly. That's what uh, that means. But simple kindness. Because love is... All, this type of love is, is completely not about self. That's the description here. It's not about, it, it's, it's, it's not seeking its own. It's not easily offended or provoked. Um, it's not uh, looking to accrue to itself. That type of love is really looking for the love of the other. And that is the love of God in Christ Jesus. That's the love that he is 
desired and required of us. It's not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Do we want to think well of other people or are we going to be cynical? Are we going to sit back and think, I, I, I kind of know where this is at. I kind of know what he's doing. See, love doesn't ignore the truth. Love and the truth can never be separated. It's, it's um, they, are, they are together. They, you cannot say, I'm just going to simply love this person and ignore the truth about them. But love, um, it's more than the truth. It's not simply just telling someone the truth and then walking away or giving it to them hard and then um, because that was the truth. No, love and truth married together will allow us to think well and say, yeah, I know how you've behaved in the past. I know your, your years of failure. I know them very well. I've experienced that uh, with you in our relationship. And yet I'm willing to think well of you. I'm willing not to think evil of you to hope and trust that God can change you. Didn't God do that for us? Didn't he bear long with us for many years? Uh, and as Christians too, years of repeated failures, of shortcomings, of, of, of not heeding uh, his call and his word where he's pushing us and directing us to a certain way. And yet he still waits, he still bears, he still believes all things with us. Love and truth. What a... Um, what a beautiful marriage. And that's God's character. That's his character being unfolded to us. He knows us completely. He knows the truth about us completely. And yet he loves us completely too. That verse 7 here. Oh, it would be a lot easier if it was love beareth some things, it believeth some things, it hopeth some things, and endureth some things, but that's not the nature of love. That's not the nature of God's love. It beareth all things, it believeth all things, it hopeth all things, it endureth all things. We can get part of the way. We can do, we can bear some on our own. But this, this love of God, we, we're reading through a... Um, uh, biography right now of Elizabeth Elliot. I don't know if, how many of you are familiar with her. A wonderful, godly woman that uh, lost her husband at a, at a young age after five years of marriage, maybe it was, on the mission field. He, he and four other colleagues were, they felt the Lord moving them to um, reach out to a people group that, that were never touched by the gospel before, that had a reputation for violence and, and killing outsiders. And their first contact with them they had some initial contact with, with just a, with two women and uh, one man. But then, I think it was two weeks into that contact, suddenly they were killed. All five of them, I think it was four or five men. And she was without a husband. And you think, wow, that's, that's a blow, right? To, to hold on to your faith after something like that. After, after um, your husband, just in the first years of marriage, is killed in the Lord's work. But it didn't stop that place for her. She then eventually felt the Lord calling her back to that people group. And with a young daughter, she went back and lived with those people. And the gospel was shared and they were changed and they became God's people. We're reading that biography. We're not at that point yet. 
<clears throat> but we're, as, as, as you read through and you, you see the careful, the slow steps, you see someone being shaped to love God more and more by the experiences. And the one that sticks out in my mind is um, before she was married, um, she was, I think it was maybe nine months, she was helping out with another group of Indians. She had a, a gift for, for languages and she was working with translation. And um, this group of Indians, their language had not been written down. And if you wanna share this, the Bible with them, one of the first steps is to write down that language, to codify to, to, to so that things can be translated and, and um, the word of God can be shared with them. She spent nine months. Um, first of all, she found a, an individual that spoke perfect Spanish and this Indian language, Colorado Indian language. And she thought, this guy is he's a fine, he's a one in a million. There's probably no one else like him that, that he was, in addition to that, he was a believer too. And so he was willing to spend that time with her to codify this language. They were good way into that work. And one day, just out of the blue, all of a sudden, in a land dispute, some other people shot this guy point blank. And he was um, that day carried to her front porch, basically. And it, it seems a little macabre, but as she, you know, he was a head wound, and he's just thinking the, the brains of this person. There's probably the only brains that, that has the, this language, the two languages. This is the means of sharing the gospel. Why would God allow this to happen? This sets back the work so much. Oh, that's the first chapter. The second chapter in this was after she'd done, she found some other person who was able to help a little bit further along and, and she had to, eventually she was engaged to be married to Jim and she had to leave that work and she gave all the, the work that she had done, packaged it all up and it was used by these other missionaries that were still with this group of Indians and they, they used it. And then one day, that suitcase that was full of all that material was stolen. Nine months work down the drain. How is the Lord's will being done in all of this? I don't think she ever got an answer from the Lord as to the reason and the purpose for that. It was, I think, another decade or I don't know however long it was before the word of God was translated into that language. There was no immediate redemptive purpose that you could point to and say, oh, this is the reason that it happened. The Lord did this, uh, didn't do this so that he could do X, Y, Z and he could be glorified in this way. No simple answer like that. The answer, that, as, I, as I read that account, and as I thought about it, and I thought about this, the answer is love. The answer is someone who is refined to love the Lord in a more perfect way, a more completely to bear all things, to believe all things, to hope all things, to endure all things. You and I are so far from that. Don't, don't we know that? But the Lord, if we are willing, is willing to refine us to get to that point like Christ, to start to bear all things, to, to believe all things, and to hope all things, and to endure all things. That's what led Abraham up a mountain to sacrifice his son, wasn't it? That's the God we serve, a God that already knows us completely. He knew Abraham's heart and state of mind. He knew perfectly who he was and what he was capable, and yet he had to bring him to a place of greater love. And you, my friend, outside of Christ, he wants to start you on that path, and it can't start until you know Christ, until you know who he is, what he's done for you.
this last part of the passage here. Uh, it's one of my favorite passages of, of scripture. Partly because, I mean, some people like poetry or, or metaphor, some don't, because um, you can't kind of nail down precisely, well, what's the meaning, what's the exact intent and purpose here? I love it because it, it kind of pulls my heart to something bigger and higher that I can't quite express in words. And I think the, the metaphors that, that Paul slips into here about a, being like a child at one point, and then, you know, we all understand that. We were all children once. We're all now adults. We understand the difference. We understand that we understand a whole lot more about the world and what's around us and people than we ever did as kids. Um, sometimes we think sadly. But that is the way it will be one day. One day we will, just like the difference, more so, magnified a hundred times, a thousand times, the difference between a child and an adult, we will understand one day. We understand the whole big picture. And Paul's purpose in putting that in here is to say love. Love will be the constant through all of that. Love will be the, 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 the thread. Everything else will fall away, will be complete, will, will be done, will be, there will be a finish to it. But love will only grow. It's only going to, the, 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 what we experience and what we're called to and pulled to here and now will only grow and will only be made clear and more abundant in eternity. When that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. There's so much, even spiritually, in, this, in the spiritual realm, that our, our, our understanding of the spiritual realm, that we put so much stock and store in that's so important. And it is important. And it's place defining our doctrinal stances on things, making a stand, a proper stand for, for truth, um, reaching... Um, others for the, for, with the gospel, for the word of Christ, they, they're vitally important. They're part of God's calling to us. But those things in and of themselves, if they are not uh, done from this spirit of Christ, the spirit of love, it's going to be empty. It's going to be fruitless. Um, all our labors are just going to fade away. But conversely, even the simplest among us, if he's motivated by love, by that total just um, forgetting of myself, the abandonment of myself into, into God and his purposes, into the lives of others, will be useful. We will be those lights. We'll be those shining lights that will, that will be the stars, that will be the jewels in his crown at that day. We understand ourselves imperfectly. We see through a glass darkly. And here the word is, is, is a, a mirror. And in those days, those ancient mirrors, they were polished metal, usually bronze or some other uh, substance, and they were imperfect. You could see something of yourself, but it was distorted. And now we look in a mirror today and we can see pretty much, yeah, that's, that's what we look like. But in those days, it was an imperfect image. And that's our, our knowledge of ourselves now. We, we don't understand ourselves completely and perfectly, but one day we're going, to, we're going to see perfectly when we see him face to face. First, first John 3, one of my, another one of my favorite passages that, that behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should become the sons of, of God. 
we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. What a glorious promise. Here and now, I am his, his child. I can experience his love. I can be changed by his love. I can be transformed. But there is something even greater coming. When I see him face to face, I will be transformed in a way, and I think these two passages are linked in a way that I cannot describe perfectly. And it will be love. Love will be magnified. It will be... Uh, And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. And don't we understand now that those first two, they will have an end. They will be complete. We won't, there will be a moment where we won't need faith anymore. There will be a moment where hope will not be needed anymore, but love will go on. It will. It will grow and grow in all eternity as we understand more of God's character as we interact with him more and more in all eternity. It's going to be glorious. And we need to remember that here and now. The last passage I'd, I'd like to, to read in closing is, ties back to that preparation for the end of all things. But the end of all things is at hand. This is in 1 Peter 4, verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. We're given a warning to, to, to be uh, clear-minded, to understand what's happening around us, to be prayerful. But then the Apostle Peter says, and above all things. You know, you can prepare and you can be sober and clear-minded and, 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 and prayerful and fervent. But the fervency you need is, and above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. As we, in this season, as we look to Christ and his ultimate sacrifice that covered our sins, that dealt with, that paid for our sins, that ultimate act of love, following a, a ministry of love, of, of, of every moment uh, being, being an example and, and a testimony of God's love in all of its forms and speaking truth and in being gentle, as we look to that now, let's remember that the charity that we practice here, the love that we practice here and now among ourselves will be the, man, the means of, of pouring out God's grace among us and, and, and in us and through us. May the Lord bless the, the meditation on his word. May he uh, just make clear to us what he's done for us, the love he's given to us, and allow us to love in that way that we read in 1 Corinthians 13. <clears throat> the most popular topic for songs in this world is love. But it's something that the world knows nothing about. We know Jesus Christ came to die in our place, 
to be that substitutionary sacrifice for each one of us. But he came to do something else, something very, very important, something critical. It was to show the Father to us, to show us what God really was like. When God manifested himself to Moses at the burning bush, Moses said to God, who shall I say sent me? And God said, tell them I am that I am has sent you. The way that I understand that is God says he is the reference point. He is the one that you have to measure everything else from. If you want to understand anything about yourself, it must be measured against God. So it was for us. We could never fully understand God's love without Jesus Christ coming, living as a man among us and showing that love by dying in our place. Ultimately, there was no other way for us to understand that, to grasp that. And it was because of what he did that what Paul wrote to the Corinthians even begins to make sense. What is man's love apart from God? You can go right back to the garden. Go right back to the garden. What happened? Adam and Eve fell. Where did Adam point the finger? At his wife. The woman that you gave me, she gave it to me and I ate. He threw her under the bus. That was the kind of love that fallen people exhibit. And so we must be called to something higher. We have to see what God's love is really like, and we see it in Christ Jesus. That's when it all makes sense. We admire the, the, the sacrificial love that we see in other people, but we're so slow to give it ourselves, aren't we? We admire selfless love. We admire true love, love in truth, a love that's steady and constant, and yet so often we're fickle. We need that reference point. Jesus Son of God, who loved us while we were yet his enemies, had to come and show us what love ultimately was all about. There was a couple of verses that were touched on, and in conclusion, I'd like to end here. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I know even as also I am known. We can approach that verse in different ways. One way would be to say, well, there's things that I don't understand now, but one day I'm going to figure it all out. That's one way to look at it. And that is in the verse. But there's another way, a way that is much more challenging for us to think about this verse. Knowing that I will know fully on the other side, how should I be behaving now? That's a lot more pointed. 
knowing that one day I will stand before the one who loved me so much, how ought I to be loving now? Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Knowing that one day we will stand before the one who is love incarnate, the one who loved us so much, what kind of pettiness am I going to hang on to here? What kind of hurt am I going to cling to here? What sort of resentment am I going to hold in my heart? There's no place for it. Let's clear that up now. Let's love in the way that we've heard this morning so that one day we can stand before him and thank him, maybe with a little less shame than we would have otherwise carried because we were already looking to love like he loved us here. May the Lord add whatever was lacking and may he dismiss us with his blessing. This concludes our service. Amen.